You are listening to the Mini Minxes. It's a mischievous way to start your week. Disney Girl Power. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Mini Minxes Disney Podcast, and welcome to Show Thirty Four. Yes, thank you for downloading the show, and for all of you for your lovely, wonderful feedback from Show Thirty Three, the wonderful Animal Kingdom at Fifteen Show. Super duper it was as well, because it was a bit of a wild one, that one. <laughs> but we're going to start the show with some shout-outs for those who have left us five-star reviews on iTunes. Does that mean that if you leave us a one-star review, Michelle, we don't read it out? Correct. <laughs> All right, just, just checking. <laughs> okay, Kimberly. Oh, Kimberly. Isn't that my name? I don't know. Are you really a Kimberly? My full Sunday name is Kimberly Ann. Oh my heavens, now I know what to call you if I'm mad at you. Oh no, only my mum's allowed to call me that and she only ever calls me that when I'm in trouble. Reminds me of Victoria Wood. Kimberly! <laughs> well, Kimberly, um, and I'm saying Burr like that because that's how it's spelled. Um, so, Kimberly left us a fab review. She said, the show is very informative. There are also wonderful interviews. Definitely worth a listen and you won't be disappointed. Well, big thank you for that. That's fantastic to hear. Definitely, Kimberly. The next one says, we're a clever podcast. Get that, Kim. Clever. She obviously means me and not you. <laughs> and that's from Gina Bella Oz. And she says, we are great. Woohoo. Don't mess with greatness. And those were both on our US star. So thank you very much for doing that, ladies. Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you very much. So, Michelle, shall we tell everybody what we've got lined up for this edition? Yes, let's indeed. We're going to start the show with a bit of a hot potato, in more ways than one, namely the Disney dining plan. Should we? Shouldn't we? Is it value or not? And after that, Michelle, a friend of the show, who's never on this show the same time that I'm on this show, (laughs) but I promise we're not the same person, Um, Becky Mannion, Managed to track down, and I say managed to track down because, Michelle, we've been after this interview for, what, 12 months? I think I started trying to track Ricky down about last June. Yeah, so about 10 months, we have the Mr. Inside the Magic himself. Yes, Ricky Brigante joins the Disney Girl Power podcast, and we chat. Well, it was all about him, really. It was indeed, Kim. It is an absolute corker of an interview. Can't wait to share it with everyone. Sounds like we've got a busy show, Kim. Shall we get on with the first Karen fact? May the 4th be with you. I know I'm a bit late. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios from May into early June is the month for Star Wars fans. From Friday to Sunday, May the 17th to the 9th of June, Fans flock the studio for for all sorts of Star Wars saga fun. A must-do for for many is the celebrity autograph, where you can get a memento signed by one of many celebs. Quick tip is to get a fast pass from one of the kiosks outside the front gate. There is a standby line, but this won't guarantee your one-on-one experience. Catch you later with some more. Thanks, Kieran. I gather we have more on Star Wars Weekends in his next two facts. So, Michelle, this feature that we're about to do came about from a few comments on Facebook and a few emails from one or two of our listeners' questions. So, Michelle, my question to you is, 
can you help? What is the dining plan? The dining plan is a complex thing. There you go, sorted. Next feature, let's get Ricky on. Okay, Max, I got a little trick that makes the job easier. <clears throat> it's Super Salad Pricer Biscuits, Extra Olives, Donuts. Know the menu of this venue. Do not be a slow clutch. Get the order right or else the customers will go nuts. Super Salad Pricer Biscuits, Extra Olives, Donuts. You can't just say that. You've got to give us some more information. Okay, well, the dining plan is either prepayable in your own spondulics or sometimes it is offered free if you book your package with a particular travel agent or via Disney itself. You must be staying in a Walt Disney World Resort Hotel and book a package called Magic Your Way. Now, out of all the lovely, amazing Disney hotels, it does exclude the fabulous Swan and Dolphin Hotel. And there are three levels on the Disney dining plan. The first one, which I'm going to quickly refer to the DQSDP, those of you in the know who know your acronyms will know, it's the Disney Quick Service Dining Plan. I hate acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> I spend more time trying to decipher what things are. It would be really just easier if people wrote stuff out. Do you know your FP from your DLP? Well, them two are easy. There were one the other day and I really can't think which one it is now, which it took me nearly half an hour to work out what it was. Oh, bless you, love. Well, the DQSDP includes per person, two quick service meals, i.e. you go to a counter, you order the food, and it tends to be in value between $10 and $15, but more about that later. One snack, and you get a, re a refillable resort mug for use in your resort only. There's a next tier up. Would you like to tell everyone about that one, Kim? Okay, the next one is called the Disney Dining Plan, or if you're going to have an acronym for it, DDP. Now, this includes per person, per night, one quick service meal, including a dessert. One waiter service meal, including a dessert, which is like your table service for us commoners who don't know what a waiter is. One selected snack and one refillable resort. You've mentioned yeah. the two standard ones, which you normally see. There is a higher level, which is the Disney Deluxe Dining Plan, the DDDP. Too many Ds there, my life. Well, there's too much food as well, Kim. Good point. Because <laughs> per person, you get three quick service or three waiter service meals, including dessert per day, two snacks, and one resort mug. All that food! That's rather a large amount of food. It is indeed. Now, if it is free, you have to be staying in a moderate or deluxe Disney resort to qualify. 
you can actually stay in a value but you have to pay out of your own pocket to obtain the dining plan in a moderate you will get the quick service dining plan which as i remember as you will recall is the one that involves the counter service meals only if you're going to stay in a deluxe you get the disney dining plan we're going to focus on these two plans so kim can you explain how it's used chicky of course i can for each night of your stay you get one day's credit so if you're on the quick service you get two counter services and one snack for five nights times this by five but you don't necessarily have to just use one credit per day if you're feeling particularly hungry on one day and you want three counter service meals that's fine that's fine however bear in mind that if you use three of them credits you will only have two left for the remainder of your five days and so on and so on but one tip is just to make sure that you do use your full allocated amount during your stay now on the DDP some restaurants are called signature restaurants now these will actually take two of your table service credits or waiter service credits so on a four night stay two will go so therefore you would only have two left for the other three days if you've not used the dining plan it may sound, how am I going to keep a track of all these points of meals and snacks and things? But you can go to any till point at one of the dining places, what your entitlement is, or guest services, or when you get a receipt at a, when you've actually ordered a snack, it will show what you've actually got left. So it is quite easy to keep a track of, isn't it, Kim? It certainly is, and one tip I would sort of suggest you do is do keep track of them because I have had friends, this hasn't happened to me, more credit has been taken off them than they've actually used. Now, Disney are quite flexible, they're quite a friendly company. If this does happen, obviously take your receipt, explain the problem, just keep an eye on your credit score. What do you say, Michelle? Yeah, definitely. Definitely you should do that. And also, can I just say that with you getting it free, everybody who is staying in that room gets it. Yeah. And if you're paying for it, you have to pay for everybody in that room yeah, you can't to get share. it. You can't like just buy one and then you share a plate of food. You can't, that's, you can't do that. Bad. But also, but just quickly touching on the refund of the credit thing, just because it's free or is it free, we'll get to that later, doesn't mean that the quality of your food or the quality of your service should be any different to as if you were paying in cash. So if you do have a problem and you do feel like your meal wasn't up to scratch or you do have a service problem, which I believe, Michelle, we've talked about before, it's happened to you, I think. If you're not happy, tell them you're not happy. And again, I've known instances where Disney will, will credit you back your dining plan credit. As a, as a sorry, you know, if your meal's terrible and, you know, refund it back and you can use that somewhere else. Now, it has to be a really serious problem. You can't just con the system and complain about your food. Now, the dining plan is offered, supposedly free, in quieter times of year. At the moment, there is a big push on and the dining plan is available for select days. Noticeably, you can't get it at Easter for bookings taken in 2014. It's a massive incentive to many and we'll look at the big pluses shortly on on the podcast. 
However, bear in mind that the room rate you will be paying will probably be the rack rate, which is the most expensive. But you've got to be very aware of the financials on this. Now, I'm going to quickly talk about cost if you booked your Disney hotel room and actually wanted to use the dining plan because you can actually pay out of pocket for it. It doesn't have to be for every night you're staying in a Disney hotel either. So say for example, you're staying at Art of Animation for a 14 night stay. But for three of them, you fancy just having a quick go on the dining plan and you can pay for this up front. If you wanted the quick service dining plan, the price is $37.58 or $24.99. Added a little bit of calculation for you there and that's the official price as well from the Disney website. That is for anybody aged 10 or above. Three to nine year olds, it's $14.32 and £9.99. Now the standard dining plan, which we've been referring to as the Disney dining plan, the one with the table service offer on it, is $55.59, rising slightly in regular season to $56.94. In the UK we just have one rate, which is £39.99. Now there is a slightly reduced price for children. If you wanted to splash the cash and go deluxe and eat more food than anybody could possibly acquire to, it's $99.97 or £64.99. So those are your prices, Kim. So what do you think about that? I think the Disney Dining Plan deluxe is so much food and I think it would make much more sense to get rid of that option and bring the appetizers back to the normal dining plan and maybe slightly increase the price for that. Well, that's that's definitely worth considering. If if you're getting it free, you know, these four so-called adults in the room, you could be getting £120 of value a night. So that could, theoretically, be a big saving for a lot of people because they know in their head the food's paid for. So really then what you're paying is if it's offered free, it could save you a bit of money. If you compare the prices before the free dining campaign and after. But if it isn't offered free, is it worth paying for it? And for this, Michelle, I'm handling all the finances to you. As you have recently worked it all out. Well, do you know what? My fingers have been working to a burn on that calculator for you, dear listeners. And and I'm going to put all the calculations and all the boring stuff on the blog. And you can read it there. So, when you look at the figures... It does actually look, if you're going to be having the most expensive items on the menu, that you could be having some maths that seriously add up. By paying it with your holiday cost, you're paying ahead of time, so it's helping with your budget. If you're going to be spending all your time in the park and paying Disney anyway out, if you've got the dining plan, you get exactly the same food as Joe Bloggs who doesn't get the dining plan. So, what's the beef with it? Table service is a good way to rest those tired legs as well. But there's lots of other things to consider. So, let's go through some pluses and minuses. Kim, let's have a look at some pluses. What do you think of first? Alright, well the pluses that I sort of came across was, um, not to just sound like a broken record because you've just said it, is but the first one on my list is prepayment. Your meals will be prepaid, which makes pre-trip budgeting a hell of a lot easier. 
and it also takes the worry and stress over budgeting while you're out there so you know you're not having to think right well i need to save fifty dollars here because i need to pay for food tonight it takes all that worry away from you too right definitely does love the second one on my list is the flexibility of it you can use all the credits on the same day or you can space them out throughout your trip i've done my adrs today normally i've got one i've got one table service every day but on one particular day we felt a bit greedy so we've got two table services but you can do that on the dining plan just got to bear in mind that one particular day we'll be eating two counter service as michelle said each family member can use the credits as they would like so if you're going in a big group you don't necessarily all have to eat at that particular restaurant half of you can go eat at Liberty Tree Tavern and half and you half other half can go eat at Be Our Guest or go to Peco Bills instead if you don't fancy sitting down. The whole family doesn't necessarily have to dine together. And the third and final plus that I came up with on this one, and this this is for me and Aaron definitely, is the fact that we eat at nicer restaurants than, than maybe we necessarily would do. We've been to Florida twice without the dining plan. And the first time we had the dining plan, despite me having some negative things to say about it, we were eating in restaurants, Michelle, that we would never dream of. We'd, we'd always walk past and sort of drooled as we walked past the window, thinking that we could never afford it, that we wouldn't be able to budget for it. And like you've said, you can order the more expensive things, you know, on the menu. I've had a conversation today with a friend where she said she was paying out of pocket for Sci-Fi Diner because... The menu items at Sci-Fi Diner, a lot of them are under $20. I've said to her, well, if I fancy steak, that's like $25, $30. I don't want to pay that out of pocket. I'd rather use a table service credit. But that's where you can be flexible on that side because you can decide to pay for it or you can decide to use credit. It's entirely up to you and it puts you in control of your holiday. I've got a few positive. On the counter service, sometimes as if on the day where Kim's having, say, two table service meals, for breakfast she might just want to use one counter service credit and share, which you can do. There's no law saying that you've got to have a counter service meal each. As I mentioned before, I love the ability to book an ADR for, say, three o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock just after the parade at Magic Kingdom. Go in and just have a break, get out of that heat and just sit down and have a nice meal. That is the beauty of it. I I know that I've got that ADR booked. I don't have to pay for it because it's already been paid for. As you said, when I've been on the dining plan, I've tried lobster. I had a splurge. I went to a signature place and had some amazing food. Oh yeah, that's it. That's a good one, isn't it? You you might try things that you might not necessarily try because you wouldn't pay for them, but because they're free, and I'm doing inverted commas when I say that. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't know about you, Kim, but I get sick and tired of people saying to me, oh, you're going on about all the food at Disney. Isn't it just burgers and theme park food? And it's like, no, the food is amazing. No, my dad said that to me not, not just this weekend, just gone past when I were on the phone with him talking to him, telling him about where I was eating. He's like, I don't know what you're making so much fuss about, Charlie. It's just burgers, steak, chips. Like, no. Like what you've just said, there's so many different things, so many different types of food, especially with the World Showcase. Who would have thought you could go to a theme park and eat snails? Exactly. 
you know, not that you really want to. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Animal Kingdom either. I'm talking about Epcot. But you know what I mean. So some downsides to the dining plan. Because for every up, there's a down. That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> Here's my three negatives. And this is what I briefly mentioned before. Is you can't get appetizers on the standard plan. You used to be able to a very long time ago. Now they've taken it off and you have to have a main meal, an entree and a dessert. And I just feel like it's a shame that you couldn't pick whether you wanted um, an appetizer or a dessert because Aaron's not a very big dessert person. So, you know, he would probably prefer to order an appetizer. Therefore, sometimes we do order an appetizer so we're paying out of pocket for it. So we might not necessarily be saving the money that we possibly would have saved if we could have the choice of the two. Too right there, Kimster, too right. I totally agree with this because I think Disney are missing a trick here. How many times have you been out for a meal and you've sort of thought, oh, I like, I like the sound of the mussels or the mushrooms in breadcrumb with a garlic dip. You've ordered that as your starter, your appetizer, then you order your main meal and you finish your main and you suddenly think, oh, I want something sweet. Oh, I can't, I, I can't finish a meal without a bit of ice cream or a profiterole. So if the dining plan included an on, a starter and an entree, there'd be people paying good money on top of their bills for a dessert. So I just don't get it. It's just wrong. Plus, I personally found some of the desserts a bit bleh anyway. So go on then. What's your next one? Okay, my next one is the fact, and this is because I'm from Yorkshire and I'm very tight, is if you do not and you cannot keep up with the amount of food, and there is a lot of food on the standard plan, never mind the deluxe, plan you're losing money and i hate losing money if you don't utilize your credits effectively and you have credits at the end of your trip you've not used the plan to your full benefit now there are instances where you can say for instance if you've got some counter service credits left or you've got some snack credits left you can go to um, goofy's candy company in downtown disney and they will is it too They'll give you two snacks for a counter service credit. Am I thinking that's right? Unofficially, I don't think it's an official. I don't think it's an official thing. But they, I have had instances where people I've known have gone to Goofy's Candy Company, and with their spare credits, and they've been able to purchase stuff to bring home, like Rice Krispie treats or sweets, candy corn, etc., etc. The frugal part, part of me thinks that can be a negative that you won't. They won't, Disney won't say to you, alright, you've, under, you've underspent by $200, here, have $200 store credit, go buy some merchandise. Do you get what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. You do need to have a bit of an appetite to get, yeah. to get value for money. Definitely. No sparrow eaters need have the dining plan. <laughs> well, unless they have the quick service one, and then I suppose... Well, even then, the portions and some of them counter service meals are huge. I'd manage it. Okay, and my last one, like I've just said, I've had to make my ADRs today. I'm not going on holiday for another 180 days. <laughs> but if I don't make them ADRs today, the good chances are I won't get the times that I want at the places that I want. And I do think this has got 100% worse since the introduction and the popularity of the dining plan because obviously you're getting more people eating on site therefore there aren't as many reservations freely available. I remember the very first time 
me and Aaron went to Florida. Um, I'm going to say it was 2002. It might not be. It might be a bit later than that. We didn't have any idea about ADRs or anything. Um, we'd gone to Magic Kingdom one day and I'd seen this Crystal Palace restaurant. And I said to Aaron the next day, oh, I fancy eating there because it had Winnie the Pooh. This was before I fell in love with Stitch. I was Eeyore mad before I fell in love with Stitch. So we rang him up from the villa the next day and said, can we come for breakfast the day after? Yeah, not a problem. After's nine, all right for you. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You, you haven't got a cat and chance of doing that these days, have you? Not for the most popular places, no. Yeah, you're not going to get breakfast at like a character breakfast a day, you know, a day before. Or if you do, you're very lucky. I know from a similar experience the first time I went and we'd not made any ADRs in advance and admittedly we weren't on the dining plan either. And we just couldn't find anywhere to eat. There were places that you could eat at say 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 10 o'clock in the morning. But the peak times, you find really difficult. Now, I I don't know whether it's got... A, I've found this year getting my ADRs a little bit easier than last year because last year they introduced for your signatures and certain restaurants a $10 per person booking mm-hmm. amount. Yes, they did. Because they stopped you booking a meal in every park at 12 o'clock because that's what some people were doing got up on the morning decided oh i don't know should i do magic kingdom should i do animal kingdom oh i don't know i've got adrs in four different places nobody else could get adrs you know it was ridiculous so this slapped on this ten dollar per person no no show you get charged fee and i do think it's got slightly easier because I'm about 100 days out on my holiday now, nearly ready to do the double digit dance. And I still up to 10 days ago was able to get an ADR for Ohana at half past five. And that was something I couldn't do last year, even at 150 days out. So I do think it slightly got easier. But as as you rightly say, the most popular places do get booked up at 180 days and the popular times. So you've got to be extremely organised and extremely on your toes, um, which to me, if you're not an organised person, if this was left to Aaron, we'd, we'd be eating at CC Pizzas every night. Not that I have anything against <laughs> CC Pizzas, and we are going to CC Pizzas. So is that your three downsides, Kim? Yeah. Right, my downsides... Every table service meal, whether it's a buffet or whether it's actually brought to your table, if it's classed as table service, they will slap on to your bill 18 to 20% circled in blue biro normally of how much they expect you to leave for a tip. Tips used to be included in the dining plan. So... If you're working on the philosophy of ordering the most expensive offer meal, your bill could be coming to about $80. You will then be expected to leave roughly $14 to $16 tip. This also needs to be calculated in all of these things because, you know, if you've had good service, you want to reward that good service. So that's something to consider. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing. However, us Brits, we're a bit tighter than you Americans. We wouldn't ever normally leave 20%, especially up in Yorkshire. It's 10%, even if you've gone round and polished my boots while I'm having my starter. 
that's something else. Another thing I put down as a downside was, do you seriously want to have every meal you eat at Disney? You're going over there like a lot of us Brits do for two weeks. You've got two weeks of dining. Do you want to make sure you're in the parks virtually every day to get that value and not to miss out on it? That's something to consider. It definitely is because I know the reason why we're only doing the dining plan for a week this year, same as you, is because when we did it last time for two weeks, it was too much for us. We were, we were fed up of dis- eating at Disney by the time the honeymoon was over. Yeah. You, you do, you get, I had 14 days of it last year and it was too much. I'm like, Kim, I've got six days this year and that's enough. And I've paid for a couple of odd meals, the cheaper ones like the Plaza and Sci-Fi. But especially, if, you know, us Brits, sometimes we go for three weeks. Oh my oh, heavens, yeah. can you imagine having dining plan for three weeks? Well, my, my friends, have, one, of, one of my friends has got the dining plan for three weeks and they're completely buzzing off it because they love it. They don't understand when I say to them that, oh, I can't eat that for three weeks. It's nothing that there's anything wrong with the food, but you just want, I personally want to investigate what else is out there. And then it might not necessarily True. be any better than Disney food, but at least I can say, you know, oh yeah, I've been to Denny's or oh yeah, I've been to um, the Cheesecake Factory. If you have the dining plan, you won't necessarily be able to, you won't need to visit these places. Therefore, you're losing out on the experiences of these American eating places that we don't have in this country. So to me, it's getting the happy, the happy medium of both. I mean, I've never been to Denny's. I've never been to Perkins. I've never been to IHOP or any of them kinds of places. We've never been. And Aaron is well wanting a bacon milkshake from Denny's. Even though I've told him it's like 2,000 calories, he don't care. He wants a bacon milkshake. Oh, my heavens. (laughs) If any listeners have had this bacon milkshake, please let us know what it's like. Let me know what I'm in for when I go over. Take him on a roller coaster straight after. (laughs) From Denny's to Primeval World, they might shut it down finally. (laughs) Some others on my list I'll quickly go through. All guests on your booking must have it. If you've got if you're paying for it, your little cherub kiddie winkles, you know, I've got three kids all over ten, so they'd all have to be adult prices. So it can get expensive. Um takes away from your park time if you're only there for a week and you're spending half of it eating. We've already mentioned about the appetizers. Top tips from me, research each restaurant menu, write a possible menu option, price it out. Make a short list combining the most expensive and the most desirable. Book your ADRs 880 days out, but watch out for those menu revisions. Signature restaurants can change up to four times a year. So you could have planned your menu all the way back 180 days ago they could have had two menu revisions in that time and that one meal you really wanted has been taken off the menu is there any other experiences you want to share kim about using no, the dining really. plan basically just you need to plan ahead to get the best value and i think the key to getting the most out of your dining plan is to plan ahead on how to use your credits but obviously allow for some spontaneous activity too you don't have to write down every single snack that you want per day. Um, that kind of helps. Um, and just try avoid using credits for lower priced places, like maybe places like the Plaza. I wouldn't necessarily think using a dining credit there would be very cost efficient. 
I would personally prefer to pay for that because a lot of the meals in there are under $15. And I personally wouldn't use snack credits on drinks. Um, I don't think they're a good use for snack credit. And I think there's plenty of other things out there that you could use that would be better. Um, and you'd get better value for a fantastic resource is the Disney food blog. I mean, what, what that, what AJ doesn't know about food basically isn't worth knowing. And I would recommend any of our listeners to use her website definitely to do your research. I mean, she's, she's worked out which restaurants are the best value, which, um, counter services are the best value. So definitely, definitely go there to help with your research as well as the blog post that Michelle's going to put up. Too right. Too right. What do you think you need now, I Kimmy? I think I need a good snack. you may have to decrease your age a bit as you're you have to be 12 or under to perfect all sounds like great fun the weekends wouldn't be the weekends without several rides on the 3d with different missions this ride sure has re-rideability now that's it for now more after the interview with ricky today we are joined by an orlando based podcaster his show, Inside the Magic, which was voted Best Produced Podcast in the 2011 Podcast Awards, as well as being nominated for Best Travel Podcast numerous times, the show is a weekly source of information and fun for worldwide Disney fans and theme park fans as well. Starting just over eight years ago, Inside the Magic is a staple in my Disney diet, and I'm very excited to introduce and welcome to the Mini Minxes, Ricky Brigante. Hello there. Hi, thanks uh, very much for having me on. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's taken about a year to get there, but we're here. <laughs> it has. I appreciate so much because I know what a busy guy you are. Yeah, it, this, the schedule's always very uh, crazy out here in Orlando, always something very exciting going on. And I also have with me the lovely Becky Mannion. Hi. So, without further ado, let's make a start. So, Ricky, can you tell us a little bit about your early life, where you grew up, and when you first visited a theme park? Sure. I mean, that definitely dates back quite a while. Um, uh, 1980 is when I was born in Miami. Uh, that's where I spent most of my life. Uh, and, and throughout uh, you know, the first 18 years or so of my life, I definitely made uh, quite a few trips up here to Orlando with my family. Um, I've seen pictures of me in a stroller in front of Cinderella Castle and, uh, you know, my first uh, sort of earliest memories of a Disney theme park are probably watching the Main Street Electrical Parade. I seem to remember being very tiny and looking up at the thousands or millions of sparkling lights and all of that. And uh, it, it kind of blossomed from there. And, uh, you know, I think the, the parks have always been a part of my life. Very envious. Me too. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's been wonderful. Uh, I, I mean, you know, it, being in Miami, that's about four or five hours away from Orlando, so it wasn't a regular visit, but it was every few years or so. Uh, my family would decide it's time for a a Disney trip, and um, you know, I certainly remember going on the Haunted Mansion for the very first time. My dad told me uh, because I was very young and scared of the thunder and lightning and howling outside. He actually told me it was Cinderella, uh, Cinderella's castle. Uh, which uh, even at that young age, I don't think I quite believed, but I just sort of bought into it for the sake of going on. And then, of course, now I'm a a huge Haunted Mansion fan. So I think that was the beginning of that. Um, I I certainly remember going on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and being uh, wide eyed, you know, face glued to the the porthole of the submarine and looking around at all the bubbles and the uh, fish swimming by and everything and loving every moment of that. And Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and everything that's, you know, no longer longer there are, uh, are definitely some some cherished memories from leaving school what career path did you take well um uh, when i went uh, that was when i finally left miami um you know after 18 years or so i went up to uh, atlanta uh, for georgia tech for four years and at the time was the big uh dot com kind of boom everybody was into computers and the internet and all of that and i was like okay i can do that too um so i went into computer science which is basically programming and throughout the four years that i was in college uh the dot com bust happened, uh, the bubble burst. And so by the time I got out of college, there weren't really too many more jobs uh, for that particular degree. Uh, Fortunately, you know, Georgia Tech, a very well-rounded education, not just programming. So I was able to, you know, eventually find a career path. Um, But uh, really, I don't I don't do a whole lot (laughs) right now that (laughs) that I went to school for. Sounds a bit like myself, I'm the same. <laughs> I, I think that's a lot of people's stories. I mean, you go to college for more than just a degree and more than just, a, you know, one specific education. It's for the grander picture and sort of getting out of kid mode and moving into adult mode. And, uh, you know, it's a big help for that. Fantastic. So I know at the moment you're, you're busy with the um, Lanyard Labs. Yeah, yeah, that's the business that my wife and I started uh uh, gosh, it's been three years, I think, or so, somewhere around there, and it's doing very well. Um, you know, it's good to have a, an internet-based business, and I have used some of my, my computer science abilities to build that website and all of that, uh, but yeah, it's it's a successful business. So, at some point, round about, what, 2004-2005, this idea must have come into your head about starting a podcast. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, the 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 word podcast, the idea of a podcast was very new when I started. I think um, it was it was about the November before I started the show that I think the term podcast was coined. So it had been around for, you know, three, four months at that point, maybe five months. Uh, and uh, I kind of looked around and thought, well, you know, I could do that. I've had sort of a history of, uh, you know, dabbling in video audio production. I was very uh, involved in that in high school, um, you know, did some short films and that kind of thing and thought, well, I have the equipment, which was basically a computer and a microphone. That's all you really need. And uh, thought, OK, let me start a podcast. And what do I like? Well, I'm in Orlando. I love Disney. Let's do that. I just kind of searched around. There was only one other Disney show at the time, uh, The Mouse Pod, which has since ceased to exist. Uh, and so, uh, you know, just kind of started with a very, very simple show. Thought it would, you know, I would just kind of talk about what's new and fun around the parks. And it evolved tremendously from there. Wow. That's amazing, really. 
It is. You know, I, I certainly had no idea where it was going. I had no plans. I had no, you know, direction other than to just kind of share uh, a love for the parks, which I knew, uh, you know, obviously many, many, many other people shared as well. Um, so I thought if I could, you know, bring a little bit of that from Orlando to people who are not in Orlando, then it would be a fun thing. And it certainly has worked out. And did you have to take lots of research trips for this? <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember a very, very early episode. I think the very first thing I ever recorded uh, in the parks, I had uh, some, you know, a little, a little portable microphone thing. I don't even remember what I plugged it into. Uh, very low tech at the time. And uh, I, I remember going to Epcot for the Flower and Garden Festival, stumbling across a performance by Davy Jones, uh, the late, great Davy Jones now. Uh, and so I recorded a small clip of him performing one of his most famous songs. Uh, and I put that on a very early show. And even though the quality was terrible, I got a great response from, uh, you know, the listeners who were there. It was, you know, began very small, obviously. Uh, and, and, you know, it seemed like there was there was something to it. You know, everybody wanted to hear the parks even when they weren't there. Yeah, it's true. Um, in recent months, Skipper Ben, who used to host the popular Cruise in the World segment, has popped back up. How did the collaboration with Ben first start and then evolve? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think anybody who's ever been on the show, it's all kind of started the same way through a real simple email exchange. You know, somebody who kind of in the same way that I stumbled across podcasts, they found Inside the Magic and uh, from there, uh, you know, listened for a little bit, enjoyed it. And then some, you know, people decide to go, hey, I want to do that for myself. And some go start their own podcast or maybe start a website. Well, Ben, I think he just wrote to me and said, uh, hey, I love what you're doing. I'd love to be a part of it. He had a sort of a background in broadcasting as well. Um, and, and of course, he was a cast member, uh, his wife as well, out here at Walt Disney World for a number of years. And so it uh, kind of clicked very early on. I think it was only maybe four or five months into starting the show and then stayed with me for quite a long time until he decided to have kids, <laughs> at which point, uh, you know, life sort of took over for a while. It definitely does when you have the little people in your life. You just do it half a minute. Right, which is exactly why I don't. I figure I, I, I'm such a big kid myself and I, I'm so busy all the time that there's just no time for that. <laughs> and plus, Rick, you know... You'd be spending all your money on their Christmas presents instead of yours. Exactly. I wouldn't want them touching any of my toys. <laughs> I know you've been very kind enough over the, over the sort of past six months to sort of share your Halloween experiences and Christmas yes. Day presents and things. It's like I'm sat at home thinking, oh, my God, look at all those presents. They're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely big kids here. Uh, we we love Christmas and Halloween and, and every other holiday, and just kind of make make the most of it. Uh, you know, just for our, our little two person and a cat family. Oh, that's the best way, isn't it, Becca? Yeah, I wish we just had more access to all the toys and theme parks over here. <laughs> yeah, I know they made a big mistake putting it in Paris. Big mistake. Yeah, they really did. Well, I can't wait. I, someday I've got to get out to uh, to Disneyland Paris. It's on uh, probably the near horizon for us. We've been talking about it for for far too many years now. Oh well, if you're doing Paris, you're going to have to pop over to London. Yeah, it's just so it's so close. We're like, yeah, I. I I think we'll probably make a little trip. I mean, we're not going to fly all the way. We've never, Michelle and I have never uh, been to Europe before. So I, we're not going to fly all the way over there and just go to Disneyland Paris. We'll have to do a little exploring as well. 
then we can organize an Inside the Magic UK fan meet. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I do. That was one of the things early on that really amazed me. I never uh, sort of thought about the fact that uh, me just sitting at home, you know, with a microphone talking about Disney, all of a sudden getting emails from the UK, from Australia, from, you know, all over the world. And I it just kind of I was just like, whoa, I, I didn't expect, you know, my voice to carry uh, halfway around the world. <laughs> definitely does so i suppose over the last few months as well um you've mentioned about the collaboration that you did in the early days with ben and then it involved with his relationship with princess lisa so there's not they're not on the show as much um you're now including disneyland and that you've got the california duo of jeremiah and joss dawes and yep. also paul barry from window to the magic so you're covering more elements of disneyland which is sort of coast to coast which is absolutely amazing how do you see inside the magic evolving over the next year with all the fantastic things that are coming ahead of us Sure. Um, I have no idea. I just kind of take it a day at a time. I don't really uh, plan too far ahead. If something major is going on, I try to you know put the feelers out there and see if there's anybody uh, local who wants to sort of help out. Uh, for instance, uh, October D23 is bringing the first ever uh, D23 Expo Japan. I'm definitely not going out there for that. Uh, I'll be at the one in August in Anaheim again because that's been fantastic for the last two. Um, but I, I definitely don't have any plans to fly all the way to Japan uh, just for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, you know, hopefully I'll have uh, somebody out there who can sort of give a, an update or two from what that is all about. Sounds pretty exciting. Oh, we'll, we'll go on a research trip, won't we, Becca? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm up yeah, for I, that. I, I would certainly love to. I, I, Tokyo Disneyland, Tokyo Disney Sea look like beautiful, beautiful parks. And I, it's uh, uh, Michelle really wants to go to Disneyland Paris, uh, which I do too. I really want to go to Tokyo, so we're going to have to, you know, plan two international trips at some <laughs> point. Of course, that's not exactly an easy thing to do. So it's going to be, I'm sure, many years on the horizon. But we'll get there eventually. The year review, in review, any chance of expanding it to include the Asian or Paris Disney parks, or do you fear the show will hit double digits? <laughs> I think we would keel over and die before we could get to everything there. Um, you know, Paul and I have uh, obviously the, the annual year in review show. We talk for many hours about everything uh, that has gone on that year in the U.S. Uh, sort of Disney universe. Uh, and we've ta every year we, we say the same thing to each other after we've gone on for four or five six hours whatever it is and we say you know what we should do this more often that way we don't have to talk about the whole year at once we could do like a half year or maybe even a monthly thing and then it never happens so uh i don't i don't think we're going to uh sort of change it or cut it or, or anything like that uh you know we don't neither of us don't you know we don't go to those parks so we can't talk firsthand about it and that makes it a bit difficult to sort of recount what happened I must admit, it, this year, I think it was over over about four hours, so it's like, it took me till mid, sort of, towards the end of January to get through <laughs> it, but it was like, oh, oh my god, is, is, is that happened this year, last year? Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing what goes on in a single year, uh, and, and I, I kind of keep a running tally of everything throughout the year, and then this year, of course, with limited time magic, uh, I have a feeling we're going to spend half an hour just talking about that alone, since there's something new going on every week. Mm. Well, I think we might have to mention limited time magic before we let you go, but we'll come back to that one. Sure. Um, so, what? Back to you. Not just on Disney, but all of the Orlando theme parks. What makes a good theme park attraction for you? 
Um, for me, the most impressive, the most enjoyable theme park attractions uh, are ones that, that sort of have this this overall feeling of being somewhere else. Um, if I can stand there uh, in a queue, in the ride, in a post show, any part of it, and I'm no longer, I'm not only no longer in Orlando or, or Anaheim or wherever, but I'm also no longer at Disney World or Disneyland. I'm somewhere else. I'm, you know, in this fictional world or even a real world type of setting that just transports me instantly from where, you know, whatever park I'm in to really being in, say, you know, Radiator Springs or, uh, you know, taking me to Nepal or, uh, you know, something like that where it is completely immersive and, and transforms the surroundings and then wraps all of that into a great story that you can kind of follow from the beginning to end. If you're looking around uh, for the details, they don't necessarily have to, you know, beat you over the head with it with videos and all that stuff. It's good when it's subtle and you have to sort of explore a little bit and make it an experience to be visible visiting this place and then of course you know throw in some laughs and some thrills and that kind of thing and, and that's good but it doesn't always have to be thrilling you know I, I as i've said i obviously love the haunted mansion and just stepping up to those grounds and walking up to the you know the ominous mansion and uh entering inside you are in this other world for 15 minutes and nothing pulls you out of it at any moment makes sense um from kimmy who is obsessed by stitch she would like you to <laughs> She would like you to create an attraction based on Stitch. What would you do? You know, I love that question uh, because what my I have been vocal about uh, absolutely hating Stitch's Great Escape <laughs> in Tomorrowland. Um, not only because it replaced one of my favorite attractions of all time, Alien Encounter, but also just because I think it's a poor attraction. It only, and this is the problem with Stitch in general in the parks, they seem to focus only on the annoying crass, obnoxious, uh, rude Stitch, you know, the Experiment 626 side, whereas yeah. really the heart of Lilo and Stitch is once he gets to Hawaii and the, uh, the, you know, the Ohana and being with Lilo and becoming the heartwarming character, but also retaining some of that, you know, quirky personality. That's the Stitch that really should be in the attractions and i know in i believe i think it's tokyo where they uh did a, a lilo and stitch overlay to the tiki room and it emphasized more of that part of it and and that's the kind of thing i would like to see more of i have no problem with the movie lilo and stitch i, I actually quite enjoy it um so for me if i were to design a stitch based attraction it would show that transition maybe you could start with the obnoxiousness of stitch but by the end you have to have come to love the character instead of walking away thinking wow that was disgusting <laughs> oh well i'll pass that on to uh, to kim unfortunately <laughs> she had a prior commitment today so she wasn't able to uh, join us for interview and she said oh no i've got so many questions i want to ask quickly what can i possibly do I said, well, I he doesn't particularly like your little stitchy ride so why don't you see what he'd like to do instead right uh, so over to Universal, do you have a favourite must-do? And is there anything at the Universal Parks that you'd like to see basically raised to the floor and rebuilt or revamped? Right, well, the, I mean, Universal certainly is... Uh doesn't shy away from doing that um they you know recently closed the classic jaws ride uh, much to everybody's uh, dismay um and I, I certainly enjoyed that uh but everything that is going on over there is simply amazing ever since uh, the wizarding world of harry potter brought an influx of money you know just is hugely popular obviously and i'm sure you all over in the uk are jealous <laughs> that we have that here instead of out there um but it's 
that is phenomenal. The Wizarding World. I, I just went there um, last weekend for the first time in a very long time. Uh, and, and it was the first time since Disney opened New Fantasyland out here. And uh, New Fantasyland is great. Lots of detail, lots of fun architecture, lots of, you know, little uh, touches here and there. A very vast place to explore. But stepping into the Wizarding World again for the first time uh, in a while, uh, I was again amazed by just that approach and walk into to Hogsmeade Village and you see Hogwarts in the distance. And it's just it is one of those environments that absolutely 100 percent believable around you. You are not anywhere but where they're trying to create it. And so I'm really looking forward to what they're doing with uh, the uh, the part two of all of that. Um, but uh, aside from that. Uh, you know, uh, the Transformers ride. I'm a big Transformers fan, so I'm really looking forward to that. And even uh, dating back to Terminator 2 3D, I'm a huge fan of the Terminator series. Um, and I still find that to be a great attraction today, even though it's decades old. Mm, I think so. I'd love to ride the Transformers ride. I've seen clips of it at Hong Kong and California, but I'm so jealous that you're getting it there. Yeah, no, nothing you ever see online for that can even remotely do it justice because of the sheer size of what you see in that attraction. The the 3D visuals as you're riding through are huge. I mean, it's multiple stories tall, and it is it just totally sucks you right in. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to try this year to uh, squeeze in at a Universal day. Our friends over at uh, unofficial Universal Orlando podcast keep sort of saying, "Oh no, you've got to go, you've got to go." And yeah. It's well worth a trip. Yeah, I hope I get to meet up with those guys, even though they don't only live sort of like 100 miles down the road from me in the UK. I'm going to meet them in Orlando instead. It's a lot better. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, for UK visitors, we tend to visit Orlando for two to three weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. What would be on your list of attractions to visit? Well, in two to three weeks, I would say go for everything. <laughs> I mean, that's that's such a long time. I, 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 that is a very different concept of, of vacation than certainly here in the States. Um, I can't imagine stopping everything and leaving for weeks at a time. I can barely get away for three or four days at a time. Uh, and I have to be, you know, glued to the Internet that whole time anyway. So, uh, yeah, for that amount of time, I would say certainly you can hit the parks initially um you know do all the sort of standard theme parky things but there's you know a lot more in orlando to explore and just to enjoy um uh, i i love mini golf and there's no shortage of that around uh, you know the universal's new mini golf's a little pricey but it's very cool the, the theming of it is a lot of fun and it's you know right there at the heart of city walk but up and down international drive it's you know certainly lots of restaurants there and they're working on putting all kinds of new experiences there as well a very large project uh, that is you know still a few years out from being complete but that area is being uh, transformed and uh, you know it's a, there's a lot of just sort of little things that um it's easy to overlook, uh, and, and some of them cost you know a little. Some of them cost a lot, but you can get some really, really unique experiences if you go sort of exploring through uh, Orlando. Well, one of the most favorite things that I've done over the last few years was. Uh, what is it called? I think it was called Warbird Adventures, where they've got these old uh, sort of military, uh, I guess, decommissioned military planes that you can actually go up and take control and fly without a pilot's license. So obviously, there's an instructor in there and it's all safe and everything. But uh, that was amazing. I've, I've wanted to actually fly a plane for as long as I can remember. And so to get that opportunity just as an attraction is, is pretty darn cool. Yeah, that sounds really cool. 
I know I've been to like the Titanic experience, we've done Bush mm-hmm. Gardens, we've done NASA yeah. because I've been before for three weeks and even in three weeks, and I know this might sound absurd to yourself, in three weeks we just can't fit it all in. We really struggle. Well, sure. Well, you can't do everything. It's just a matter of, you know, picking out uh, what your sort of interests and your favorites are. And then, of course, most importantly, you got to gotta work in some time to just relax, too. It's very easy to yeah. come to Orlando and do and do something every single minute of every day. And by the end, you're, you need a vacation from your vacation. I uh, always so, get that feeling when we get back home. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's one of those things you got to build in either a little bit of time each day or even just take a whole day. You know, go find a, a a spa or something you know disney has some great uh places that you can just sit and do nothing and relax and and just sort of enjoy life you know being around you cool this is a question from my husband is is very envious of you ricky because we went to theme park connections last year and saw the tron arcade game ah yes and i gather you bought it so i did uh, it's it's a work in progress. It 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 plays mostly. It's got some uh, some electronics issues, but I'm I'm working on sorting that out. But uh, for the most part, it's 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 a lot of fun. I'm w- once I get it all sorted out, I, I will certainly be uh, you know trying to best my high scores on a regular basis. Well, you see, he's got a background. He's an, he's actually an electronics engineer, so he wanted oh, okay. it as a little project to. Yeah, it, it definitely. Uh, I was actually not anticipating it being a project. I, I thought it was in perfect working order, but it, it uh, you know, once I sort of opened the back panel and started looking into the electronics, it definitely had a few uh, concerns. Uh, but uh, I think I've sorted it out, and I, I just need a, a part or two, and it should be good to go. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear more about that. He's so green with envy. He said, I can't believe it. The one person who bought it. <laughs> I can't even be angry at him because he entertains me every week. And he right. Well, it, it it helped that, uh, one, they were having a tremendous sale at the time that I just happened to be there for, and two, they were right down the street from my house. So I think all the stars kind of aligned, and it, and it had to be mine. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, is Spectre Magic returning in 2013? Spectre Magic? Oh, uh, you know, that is a good question. Um, I've heard rumors in both directions. Uh, I've heard lots of rumors, in fact, and you <laughs> never know what to believe. Uh, and Spectre, as far as I know, is still sitting backstage, uh, you know, around the Magic Kingdom, just kind of sitting and waiting. Um, I've, I've, I, I really have no idea one way or the other. Um, there have been a lot of rumors of a new daytime parade coming to the Magic Kingdom, but as far as nighttime, that's that's not too clear. Uh, just a couple of weeks from now is going to be Disney's uh, big sort of pre-summer press event where they're going to say, you know, here's everything cool that's happening this summer, which, of course, is the busiest season. You know, this is why you need to come to, to Disney World. Um, and I suspect that they'll be mentioning something parade-like. Uh, I mean, I you know, who knows? Uh, you know, I think... Uh, every year they sort of it was that it was during that type of event that they announced that the Main Street Electrical Parade was coming back so it would certainly be the right fitting time for them to say otherwise but they may say nothing and we just kind of keep going along which it would be fine by me I actually prefer the Electrical Parade I'd like to firstly thank you for, for coming on the podcast it's been fa- fascinating I could sit and share stories with you all evening um, would you like to tell our listeners how they can if they don't already know find out more about Inside the Magic yourself and how to contact you. Absolutely. Uh, the website, uh, which is sort of the home of everything Inside the Magic, is simply insidethemagic.net. 
And uh, that is uh, certainly the home for the podcasts that come out every Sunday. Um, uh, in addition to that, uh, the, you know, the podcast is everything Disney and, and a bit beyond as well. It's usually about an hour long each week. Um, and uh, I've started over the last uh, year, year and a half, something like that, like that, doing a video version as well. Figured if I was sitting here recording it all, might as well throw a camera on me also. So anybody who doesn't who wants a little bit more than the audio version can also catch the, the video version, which is not only on the website, but also on our very popular uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash inside the magic. Uh, also home to countless uh, uh, videos from the theme parks and special events and all of that. Uh, really just hours and hours and hours of great stuff to watch there. Uh, of course, on the website, photo galleries and daily articles and all the latest news and, uh, and really everything. So, uh, yeah, inside the magic.net sort of the, the hub for it all. If all of this hasn't been enough for you, there are two further must-dos in, in my opinion. Firstly, the parade. Shortly after 12.30, the cavalcade begins. You best get a spot early as the motorcade of characters stream down the road. Also, there are an abundance of merchandise. Finally, at the end of each day, go join the fun at the Hyperspace Hoopla with so many Ewoks, Wookiees, Stormtroopers, Jawas and otherworldly creatures. Young Jedi and their parents would be wise to, to have their cameras on the ready. That's it for me on 34, but stay tuned for more mixiness with Kim and Michelle. <laughs> the release date of 13th of May, yours truly, will be 21 again. Is that 21 plus 21 plus 21? No, I'm not that old, you cheeky man. <laughs> I, fe- I feel really, really upset now. I don't care. I will tell all our listeners I am 21 times 2. Well, happy birthday, Michelle. Thank you. Think birthday wishes from me, and I'm sure all our listeners wish you have a very, very happy birthday. Oh, thank you, chicky. So, Michelle. Have you ever done Star Wars Weekend? No, I've not. Something I know about and you don't, that doesn't happen very often. I know. Oh, kidding aside, we've done Star Wars Weekend. Now, I am a massive, great big Star Wars fan and neither is Aaron, but it was definitely a very enjoyable time while we were there. I saw uh, Warwick Davis. I um, Aaron got to buy some Star Wars merchandise that he wouldn't necessarily be able to buy anywhere else. There was a Star Wars parade, there was talks. It is definitely an experience. Even if you don't like Star Wars, I say still go because it's such a fantastic experience. You'll probably like Star Wars. In fact, do you know what? I think it was when we came back from Star Wars weekend, I actually sat down and watched all the Star Wars films. Oh god, I'm not going then if it makes me want to watch the films. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a massive big Star Wars fan, but I don't mind Anakin Walker in Star Wars 3. He's quite dishy. Oh, no, I'll stick with Harrison Ford as he was in uh, the films rather than he is now. <laughs> oh, well. Well, our next show, Bank Holiday Weekend for us Brits, 27th of May 2013. Looking forward to sharing that. We've had a monster, monster episode. I am just so gutted, Kimmy. You were so poorly and missed our chat with Ricky. Well, I was as well, to be honest. But to be honest, when Michelle sent me a text saying, do you want me to postpone, I thought, no, because it's taken 10 months to 
get him on the show and I'm sure I'll I'll get over not speaking to Ricky. But we did ask him a question for you, lovey, which he did answer and he faced his fears. He talked about how much he hated Stitcher's Experiment 626, but also he designed you an, an attraction, so I hope it put a little smile on your face. Oh, anything to do with Stitch puts a smile on my face. And I can now, I can now announce the thanks to Michelle and thanks to a very, very good friend of mine, David Ingham. I am now the proud owner of, drumroll please, Pack by Stitch Final Nation. Woohoo! Do you know, I had to hire security guards when I had to deliver it to her. She did. I might have to security it back to the car again. Hmm. Now, yeah, it wasn't a very cheap 3-inch piece of plastic, but I now own every single Stitch Vile Nation that has ever been produced so far, apart from one. <gasps> Which one haven't you got? I haven't got, and I never probably will have, the nine inch jumper which has a three inch stitch in its hand. And how much do you reckon that's gonna go for? About two hundred dollars. <laughs> no then. No, I think I pushed the bar out with stitch for pack five, never mind. Two hundred dollars on a another bit of plastic. And Michelle will test it. Aaron didn't have a big smile on his face when he fixed his smile on his No. <laughs> in fact did he not fair to drop it on the floor? Yeah, and Kim looked very ashen in the face and leapt across the table to snatch it out of his little Goodwin little mitts. But no, definitely a huge thank you to David and a massive thank you to you as well, Michelle, because without you I wouldn't have been able to have added that final mission to my stitch collection. It's alright, I try my best. You do, you are very good. Thank you. So, ways you can contact us and make us extremely happy. You can tweet us, and I have been bobbing on Twitter every now and then. I'm, I'm sort of, I was getting my toe in before Michelle. I sort of, I'm in sort of my ankle now, probably. Good. Um, so you can tweet us at the Mini Minxes. You can email us, contact at the uk. And you can visit our Facebook page, which is the Mini Minxes Disney Podcast. You can also find us out on our lovely blog, which we try and have content at least once a week, and that is theminiminxes.blogspot.co.uk, and that's where I'm going to be posting all the financials about the Disney dining plan, so please do that. Don't forget, though, you can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio and five-star reviews on iTunes. Get a shout-out on the show. Definitely, and I want to say a personal thank you to every single person that's listening right now. Without you guys, this show wouldn't be worth doing at all, and it is so lovely to hear the reviews and to hear how much you're enjoying our like, Animal Kingdom show. And So, yeah, big thank you from me and from Michelle as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I concur with that sentiment there, Kimster, because a bit like yourself, we don't do this, we don't get an income from it. No. We try our best, like we put affiliate links on. Yeah. <laughs> we put a donate now on PayPal button on a blogspot page. But if you do enjoy the show, you want to help us out, buy something through our affiliate links yeah. over to Amazon and you might want to just send us a couple of quid on that old there PayPal. 
would be appreciated. Thank you, Governor. Oh, oh, Michelle, we should also mention that this last weekend we were having a lovely interview um, done by um, Jennifer and Lisa from Those Down Cats. I don't know if the show will be out by the time our show's out, but keep an eye out on Twitter and keep an eye out on their um, website when the show is released or subscribe to all on iTunes in advance. Um, and you will hear me and Michelle lovely dulcet tones on there where we discuss all things Alice. We did indeed, it was good fun. It certainly was, and we're definitely having the girls on our show, so keep your eyes peeled for that, but let us know what you think about that one too. Well, that's all left to say is mini kisses from me. Mwah. Yeah, goodbye everyone, and take care. It's mini kisses from me too. Mwah. Hi. Michelle here. A little bit of a, a an apology to our dear ministers. After you've listened to this show, you might have realised there's a little bit of problem with the old audio. Unfortunately, my house was besieged by power cuts when I was editing and the quality wasn't as tip-top as we normally would have expected. Please accept my apologies and let me off this because it was my birthday and I spent all day editing. Sorry. Mm.